You're listening to Project Oncology on ReachMD. Here's your host, Dr. Charles Turk. Welcome to Project Oncology on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Charles Turk, and joining me to discuss the challenges associated with the treatment of refractory metastatic colorectal cancer, or MCRC for short, are Drs. Richard Kim and Benjamin Weinberg. Dr. Kim is a service chief of medical gastrointestinal oncology and senior member in the gastrointestinal oncology department at Moffitt Cancer Center in Tampa, Florida. He's also a professor of oncology at the University of South Florida College of Medicine. Dr. Kim, thanks for being here today. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. And Dr. Weinberg is an associate professor of medicine and attending physician specializing in gastrointestinal medical oncology and sarcoma at MedStar Health in Washington, D.C. Dr. Weinberg, it's great to have you with us as well. Thanks so much. Let's jump right in, starting with you, Dr. Weinberg. What are the current unmet needs among patients with refractory MCRC? Right. So... Colon cancer, very common cancer, unfortunately, very common cause of cancer-associated death in the United States. If you take patients who have metastatic disease at the time of diagnosis, only about 14% are alive five years later, and likely those few patients are patients who can undergo potentially curative surgeries from the sites of metastatic disease, be it in the liver or lung, for example. We only have basically two lines of standard chemotherapy and then a variety of drugs in the third-line setting. So clearly, there's a huge unmet need for patients in terms of new drugs, more effective drugs, less toxic drugs, in order to improve survival. So unfortunately, we only have a handful of drugs at our disposal for this very common illness, and we're desperately trying to find new, more exciting and targeted therapies and trying to make immunotherapies work for this patient population, which historically has not benefited from the immunotherapy revolution to date. And turning to you, Dr. Kim, would you tell us about the challenges that occur based on those unmet needs? Yes, I think as Dr. Weinberg mentioned, I think the key here unmet need is we need better uh, biomarkers, for example. We know that I think that biomarker testing is a must for anybody with advanced colorectal cancers because it will determine what kind of aberration patient may have. Therefore, we have a plan for that patient. However, you know, we could definitely improve on that because there are certain biomarkers that we have, for example, for immunotherapy, that only applies for 5% of the patient. Those are MMR status, MMR deficient patient or MSI high patients. Those are the patients that truly benefit from immunotherapy. But in 2023, however, there are trials conducting with immunotherapy in patients who are MMR proficient or microsatellite stable. And we know even those patients that some patients do respond. But exactly at this time, we don't know which, those, which of those patients are. Therefore, I think having a better biomarker testing to sort of determine which patients will exactly benefit from the immunotherapy is an unmet need. Second thing that's unmet need is that based on all the targeted drugs that's currently out there, such as BRAF, HER2, for example, KERAS, we need to better understand the resistance mechanism. Unfortunately, these patients, even though those drugs may work at the beginning, they all develop resistance. And if you could better understand the resistance mechanism, we could potentially overcome them. Now, coming back to you, Dr. Weinberg, let's turn our attention to the treatment landscape. What therapies are currently available for patients? Right. So very briefly, in the frontline setting, it's typically chemotherapy, doublet or triplet with a biologic, such as Fulfox, Fulfiri, Fulfoxiri, often given with drugs that target VEGF, such as Bevacizumab, or drugs that target the EGFR pathways, such as Cetuximab or Panitumumab. We know that Patients with left-sided RAS wild-type tumors really seem to benefit preferentially from anti-EGFR drugs, and there's a lot of data now out there to support that. 
We are now getting smarter, as Dr. Kim mentioned, in terms of broader biomarker testing. So not just KRAS, but looking at things like BRAF, HER2, other potential markers of de novo resistance to anti-EGFR drugs, either in tissue testing or liquid biopsy type testing, where we may be able to predict who's really going to benefit from anti-EGFR therapy with chemo in the frontline setting, left-sided or right-sided primary tumor. And then we now have BRAF-targeted therapies for patients with BRAF V600E, mutated metastatic colorectal cancer in the second line and beyond setting with oncorafenib with an EGFR drug, cetuximab or panitumab. We now have HER2-targeted therapies with tucatinib trastuzumab that was recently FDA-approved. But outside of these targeted therapies and rare things like NTRAC fusions in the third line, we have drugs that have limited efficacy and toxicity that is real. So those are drugs like trifluorine tuparisal, which is an oral fluoroperimidine basically pill chemotherapy, as well as regorafenib, which is a polytyrosine kinase inhibitor. With data from the Sunlight trial, adding bevacizumab to trifluorine tuparisal seems to be superior to trifluorine tuparisal monotherapy. So that's probably going to be the preferred third-line regimen followed by regorafenib. And then the next kit on the block looks to be fruquitinib, which has some similarities to regorafenib, which may be a fifth-line drug. So that's what we have so far. And again, these third-line drugs have, again, very limited response rates, definitely have real toxicity. So these are patients where we're always looking to find novel targeted therapies, enroll them in clinical trials. A lot of what the work I do is in early-phase clinical trials for refractory metastatic colorectal cancer. But as a follow-up to that, Dr. Weinberg, what challenges are associated with those treatment options? Right. So again, trifluorine tuparisal is an oral chemo, so a lot of myelosuppression, a lot of GI toxicity. Regorafenib, if dosed at the FDA label, 160 milligrams daily for three weeks is very difficult for patients to tolerate from fatigue, other GI side effects, hand-foot skin reactions. So they have real toxicities. And again, they're singles. They're not home runs. They, they can keep patients' disease stable for months, but usually not you know, many months. And again, with toxicities, I view them more as a bridge, as a stepping stone to get onto a clinical trial or some sort of local therapy. And then the group that we haven't mentioned much of is the rare, the 4 to 5% that is MSI high that really does benefit from immune therapy. But even in that group, when the Keno 177 state of pembrolizumab versus chemo, about a third of patients had disease progression as their best response to immunotherapy. So clearly, even in that population, we need to figure out who's going to really benefit from immunotherapy or who may need doublet immunotherapy and who may really need chemotherapy. So there's a lot that we're still trying to figure out. For those just tuning in, you're listening to Project Oncology on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Charles Turk, and I'm speaking with Drs. Richard Kim and Benjamin Weinberg about the treatment challenges and refractory metastatic colorectal cancer care. So Dr. Kim, now that we have a better understanding of the treatments presently available for MCRC, let's look ahead for just a moment. What novel therapies are on the horizon that might help us address the challenges Dr. Weinberg spoke about earlier? Sure. I think in a refractory setting, as Dr. Weimer mentioned, there are a lot of drugs that's out there. I mean, we just don't understand at this time how to sequence them at this time. That's one area. But however, in terms of the novel drugs that's currently being out there, the, the hot area right now is, once again, is trying to sort of convert this, what we call a co-tumor, right? These are MMR-proficient tumor, microcellular-stable tumors, to a more of a hot tumor by combining immunotherapy with some other drugs. And I think Right now, that's the area that's in the focus right now. And there has been a lot of data out there that's already been presented and more to come. For example, can you combine immunotherapy with a TKI? Can you combine immunotherapy with chemotherapy and TKI, TKI and anti monoclonal antibody, for example? Or can, I, can you combine TK, immunotherapy with another immunotherapy? 
So those are the sort of ongoing trials I know at this time. Now there are some results that has been released, for example, combining PD-1 with the CTLA-4 inhibitor, second generation CTLA-4 inhibitor showing very high response rate in an early study. So based on that, the plan is to do a larger phase three study. However, the efficacy was just uh, con confined to patients with non-liver meds. Interesting enough. And there was a lot of hype about using the combination of pembrolizumab and lenvatinib based on a, a phase one slash phase two study showing very high response rate. Now, phase three study was done, and that's being presented at GI ESMO in two weeks. However, there was a press release that came out saying that the, the trial did not meet its endpoint. So there are some negative studies and some positive studies ongoing right now. So we have to wait to see those how those results read out. But I think that's the, probably the most exciting area that we're trying to look forward to see is, can we convert this cold tumor to hot tumor by adding another drug to immunotherapy? Another area, it's not a novel therapy, but we're moving towards is that trying to use this targeted therapy, where, whether it's anti-HER2 agents or whether it's anti-BRAF agents in the first line. We know those agents are currently approved in a refractory setting. Question is, can you move it up the first line with chemotherapy to improve the outcome and hopefully make a huge impact in overall survival in those patients? Lastly, I'd like to hear some closing thoughts from each of you, starting with you, Dr. Weinberg. Any final takeaways you'd like to leave with our audience today? Right. So building on what Dr. Kim was just saying, you know, we are, we've been frustrated in trying to throw different immunotherapy combinations, immunotherapy TKI, immunotherapy chemo combinations, which so far have not yielded any real fruit for our patients. And I think we're finally starting to get there by finding the right combinations, but also finding the right patients. So we know that the 96% of patients with microsatellite-stable colorectal cancer are diverse, a heterogeneous population, some of which, based on a Tezo tribe data just presented at the ASCO annual meeting 2023 a couple of weeks ago, we know that there are some that have high immunoscore, high tumor-infiltrating lymphocytes that have high pdl one staining, and those patients seem to preferentially benefit from the addition of a tezolizumab immunotherapy to placebo when combined with chemo and, and bevacizumab. So... We think we're now getting a little bit smarter, not only, you know, finding the right combination of drugs in the immunotherapy space, but also finding the right patients that can really preferentially benefit. So that's really exciting. Thanks, Dr. Weinberg. And Dr. Kim, same question to you. What are your parting thoughts about refractory MCRC and its treatment? Sure. And I think I want to stress the importance of biomarker testing once again. I think that is very important to do at the at the time of the diagnosis of advanced colorectal cancer. So you have a plan in terms of what kind of aberration mutations pain may have. So you have a plan ahead to how to treat those patients. Now, in having said that, I think right now in the future, you know, we're still waiting to hear sort of the results out from a large phase three study in the refractory setting. For example, there is a trial combining PD-1 with LAC3 inhibitor phase three study that's, I believe, it has finished accrual. And there's an ongoing study with, uh, with immunotherapy and second generation TKI. In, in, in this study, they're restricted to patients who are KRAS wild type, interesting enough. So I think, you know, those trials hopefully read out and hopefully we'll find out if any subset of the patient who are microcellular stable or are MMR, MMR proficient patients do benefit from immunotherapy. And I think that that will be the key in the future. It's a great way to end our discussion on this topic. And I want to thank my guests, Drs. Richard Kim and Benjamin Weinberg, for joining me to discuss the health burden and emerging therapies for patients with refractory metastatic colorectal cancer. Dr. Kim and Dr. Weinberg, it was great having you both on the program. Thank you. Thanks so much. You have been listening to Project Oncology on ReachMD. To access this and other episodes in this series, visit ReachMD.com slash Project Oncology. 
where you can be part of the knowledge. Thanks for listening.